You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. So this show comes out a day later than normal. Normally we're Tuesday, Friday, but I went with Wednesday. First of all, because Wednesday was an original release date for about two years on this show. It really was. Why did we go back to Tuesdays? Nothing good ever happens on a Tuesday, <laughs> especially when you're the White Sox. <laughs> anyway, we're on a Wednesday today because I went away for Memorial Day weekend to uh, my parents' uh, lake house. And I was having too good of a time. And I just, uh, I was just like, I texted Ed and I was like, we're going to put the show out on Wednesday. I think the moment I decided it was after we lost three out of four to the Tigers, and I just didn't want to talk about it. Well, there's that too, right? Right. We, 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 can, we can absorb the Liam Hendricks return, feel a little bit better, and just record a day later. That was kind of my mindset on that entire thing. Also, I, I, I talk funny when I have the meat sweats, which I totally did on Monday <laughs> night. So, and, and a little bit of a story for you. Uh, so, so Dad's up there a couple days early. Because he's frustrated. He had gone down to the house in, in Rochester, Indiana, beautiful Lake Manitow, and he he's down there and he realizes that there's something screwed up with the internet. So he calls the local internet company or whatever, and th- you know that's how that's how older guys do it. They get on the phone, they have to speak to a person, they need a guy to come out. They're not gonna be able to like he's like, I don't know what you're telling me to do. Can you just send a guy out here? It'll cost something. Whatever, it'll cost something. Come out here, please. So they come out, and these two guys show up and they're trying to figure out how to make sure everything's working perfectly before the weekend gets because he's streaming all this TV up there at the lake and he wants to be able to watch White Sox games. That's what he tells me. He goes, I got to be able to watch the games over the weekend while we're having a beer sitting at the lake. And I'm like, all right, fine. So that's, that's what he does. He calls these guys up. So these these two just internet provider workers, I don't know who he gets his stuff from, they show up and the one guy's wearing a White Sox hat and my father's talking to him about what he needs done and what's not working. And he goes, this guy is just staring at him. He's just, he's just looking at him with just the weirdest look on his face. And my father's trying to figure out, like, what's wrong? Is there, like, a bug on his forehead? Like, wh- why is this guy staring at me? And he, he asked the guy, he goes, what's up? And the guy goes, are you him? My father goes, who? And he goes, the guy. And he goes, what guy? He goes, the socks in the basement guy. And my father and I have basically the same voice. And my dad's like, I'm way too old to be that guy. <laughs> That's not me. That's my kid. Long story short, the guy's all super excited. He lives out there in the middle of Indiana, like two hours away. He tells my dad, like, he tries to get to, like, one game a year because he's got to drive all the way in, and he listens to the show to keep up with the team. The reason I mention it is, first off, dad gives him his socks in the basement hat. He just goes and gets his hat for him. And, like, he's done this before. Like, if you see my father at a game... And he's wearing, he's probably one of the only people wearing the hat, but an older guy walking around wearing a socks in the basement hat. And you tell him you like the show. He gives you the hat because in his mind, he's helping his son show out by putting that hat on somebody else's head. He's got like 10 of them too. Like as soon as I realized he likes to give out the hats, I gave him like a bunch of them. So he goes and he gets this hat and he gives it to the guy. And the guy's like, thanks. And he goes, the pro- and the other guy comes walking over and he goes, by the way, uh, there's something wrong here. We can't put the device where you need it because you need a shelf there. And the dude who's the listener goes, I got a shelf. 
And the other guy looks at him and goes, what do you mean you got a shelf? He goes, I got a shelf back at home. I'll go get it for you. Guy goes to his own house, picks up a shelf for my father, brings it back, puts the shelf on the wall. (laughs) So, see, here we are. Here we are. If we can't make people feel better about this team, at least we know that we can help your dad get a shelf. So, So the guy's a listener. He hears my dad's voice. It's very similar. Dad gives him a hat because dad is like, I got to take care of this guy. He likes my son's show. The other guy turns around and says, I got to take care of this guy. He doesn't have a shelf. He goes to his own house and gets a shelf and puts it there for him. A brace, whatever he did. So he could put this this new device right where dad needed it for the optimal performance because he wanted to hook him up because he gave him a hat and because he listens to the show. I don't know the guy's name. I don't know if I'll ever bump into him, but I just wanted to, if he's listening, Thanks. That was really nice of you to take care of. Dad. Yeah, that was re- that was really cool. That's very, very cool. <laughs> and, you know, I could take time to tell that story because what else am I going to do over 30 minutes? Yell about how this team sucks. Like, like this is they're 12 games on their head. They're, we could. They're 12 games it's under. just beating a dead horse. They're seven games back. They're eight back in the loss column. They're in fourth place. They got to bounce over two other teams before they even get behind Minnesota. Meanwhile, I'm getting sold constantly the games back thing. Like, that's something that's encouraging. Like, oh, they're only six games back. Oh, they're only seven games back. Oh, don't stop staying only in front of that. That's a big distance when you're in fourth place. Right. And it's a bigger distance when the team that's in one of the teams in front of you hands you your lunch over the weekend and takes three out of four. You're going to keep telling me Detroit isn't good and we're just going to Go right by them the moment that everything, like the switch is going to go on. We're going to just speed right by Detroit. Do you buy that after watching it? And here's the thing. Even if that did happen, what about the past week has made you feel as though this team could go into a postseason if they magically somehow made it and win a postseason series? Does this team look like a team that can win a postseason series the way that they're playing? All they're doing now is playing competent baseball. 500 over the last 10 games, just competent baseball. And it's such a new thing to us after the first month. We're all super excited about it. They could possibly win a postseason series, but I think much like I've said in the past, it would require the other team to be in a catastrophic plane crash. (laughs) I mean, it's silly to me. Like if, if we're going to watch this team, we have to watch this team through the lens of, well, kind of how we did it this weekend. Like the last game, Sunday's game, against Detroit. After they lose that game, my father looks at me and he goes, that was a good baseball game. He goes, that was a good baseball game. They played well. The other team played well. There were some big moments in it, some momentum changes, but that was a fun baseball game. We lost. If they, if they wouldn't be, if they weren't so far deep in the hole, you would have just sat there and said, ah, good game. We lost that one, right? But that, that little bit of hope that you have as a White Sox fan where you're like, oh man, I if only we could do this, and then we could do this, and then we could win these games, and a little bloop and a blast, and a, and a couple more, and then you can, and then maybe shuffle the deck a little bit here, and you know, this pitcher here blows out his arm, and, and, and our guy all of a sudden learns how to do what we've been waiting for him to do for three years over here. Maybe we'll have a chance to be in first place by September, and then, you know, who knows what happens in the playoffs. Like, you start getting yourself in that mindset, and I think that makes baseball miserable for you. You can't do that anymore, right? You got to enjoy moments like what we had last night. Liam Hendricks coming back was a moment. That was a great moment. And it's amazing too, Ed, because we we went over all the athletes that had stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and the return dates were so much further out. Like after we went through 
the history of this with athletes and even baseball players. The idea he's already back is just astounding to me. It's absolutely amazing. I, I, I mean, all the credit in the world to Liam Hendricks, to his doctors, you know, that kind of recovery is just, I don't want to say miraculous because that, that shorts miracles a little bit, but the tenacity that it takes and the, the things you have to do and the discipline you have to have to go through something like that is very, very, very rare in an individual. So it, you know, congratulations to Liam Hendricks for that. And that is an amazing thing. And you're right. It's stuff like that that we're going to have to look forward to and, and look at. And just looking at things that you sit there and go, okay, well, you know, that baseball game was kind of fun. Or, you know, let's see, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really root for this guy because I kind of want to see his career take off or something like that. We are back to, and and this is going to sit very, very poorly with a lot of people who hear me say this, but... The Sox are coming around to where the Cubs were for a very, very long time of wait till next year and just watch for certain things and just root for certain guys and look forward to certain events and just be out there and enjoy baseball. And that's kind of that's kind of the mindset you have to go into. We kind of have to go into a lovable losers kind of a mode, I think. I don't want that. I hate that. I hate that, though. I hate You're it, right. too. You say that and I get angry with you. Like I'm mad. I told at you, you it's right not going to sit well with anybody who hears me say it. Well, that, that's why there needs to be a change. That's why you got to fire Rick Hahn, fire Kenny Williams. Jerry's got to sell the team. I mean, like that's what. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Chris Katz needs to be launched into the sun. Don't forget that. But that's the thing. That's where they were. That's where the Cubs were back then, right? It, well, exactly. And and if you think about it, why were fans forced into that? It was because the team was owned by the Tribune Company. It was poorly managed. They never really spent smart money. Uh, they didn't develop players. They didn't, they cheaped out on things here and there. And really what it was, was, okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to sit in the sun. I'm going to drink some beer and I'm going to watch a baseball game. And that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to cheer for Chico Walker, because I think that that's the answer to questions <laughs> listen, that, that we have as far as the team. Listen, back to the, back to the Liam Hendricks thing. You see that video of his wife, Christy going nuts over the call by the umpire. Yes. I mean, first of all, He's getting, you know, the glory of it because he fought off the cancer, right? And I'm not saying none of it is deserved. It's all deserved, right? But his wife went through it with him. Like, this was like something that from the moment she heard this, you know, you've got, I'm sure, a ton of emotions and fear and worry, and you're along for the ride on that one. And that woman during the during that game, when he came out, was just the happiest person. If you ever want to see pure joy, find video of her when Liam comes out. Cause it's all over the internet right now. It, it's a, it's incredible. It gives you chills and it brings a tear to your eye just to see how excited she is when he comes out there. And then because she's got her heart right on her sleeve and they're clearly perfect for each other because that's exactly what he's like on the field. She starts screaming. I mean, there she's swearing from the box at the umpire after he doesn't give Liam a call. Which is incredible. And at that moment, the first thing I thought of was when he was on this show a little while back. And he he had to rush. We had to have him on while he was driving from the spring training facility back home. And he couldn't pull over on the side of the road. So the audio was a little rough on that show. And anybody who's never heard it, you can check it out on SoxInTheBasement.com. Just search Liam Hendricks. You're going to find that episode. But you could hear him just at one point he's driving next to like a motorcycle gang. And I just wanted to, it, it probably isn't a motorcycle gang. I just imagine every time I hear motorcycles, it's the guys from any which way but loose chasing Clint Eastwood and his orangutan. 
But that that's just what I picture when I hear motorcycles in the background while somebody's in the car. I just I wouldn't those guys. I wouldn't discount Liam Hendricks having some sort of <laughs> some sort of wild animal in the car with him while he was driving. Right. But that's neither here but nor there. But remember when we asked him, it was possible just to pull over for a few minutes. He was like, "There is a pipe that's leaking, and she needs me there now." And after I watched that video, I was like, "I would run home too because because <laughs> I don't want her on my bad side." <laughs> right. I totally understood it at that moment. I was like, oh, oh, I get that. Oh, I totally get that. Now, listen, if you or a family member, anybody that, that's going through something where you're trying to stay out of assisted living, you're trying to stay out of the hospital, you're trying to recover from a surgery, you're trying to recover from cancer, you need medical equipment to be able to do that. Uh, Hyatt Home Medical Equipment in Evergreen Park has everything. Big giant showroom helping those that are getting older to switch to a new age of life. Keep mom and dad, grandma and grandpa out of assisted living. Make it so they can get around on their own, live independently. Stair lifts, ramps, grab bars, lift chairs, even bathroom remodeling. If you mention socks in the basement, they will give you a great discount. They work with your insurance and they have 0% financing for qualified individuals. CPAP machine users, unhappy with your vendor, switch. Get supplies directly mailed to you. They also have the latest in glucose monitors, the continuous glucose monitors. Learn more about them and everything they do at hhme.com or stop in and see them today. 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. So the question was asked to me before Liam was going to take the field when we knew he was being activated. Did I think he was going to be good? Okay, is he going to be? And and my, my initial take before watching him pitch was he is going to be a slightly lesser version of himself, which doesn't mean he can't be effective. Now, when they bring him in in a non-save situation, you, you, you never know what you're going to get with the guy anyway. So I think they're just trying to get him out there, get him in a major league ball game and see what happens. So I'm sort of discounting. But remember, he played in every role before he found himself the closer role. So he could pitch anywhere. It's not like that was well, new. I, I, I understand. I understand. But it, it, it's, it's still, I think, a lot of closers, even if they've done it other times, Sometimes it's not quite there. But, you know, his first game back, I'm going to discount the results a little bit. He was pumped. He was excited. Yeah. We've seen that before. He said that before, that sometimes he gets himself too too amped. I mean, Pedro knew that. He wasn't going to have him go out there and be overly amped. And, and if it was a save situation, you know, he he's the reason that they lose. Nobody wants to do that to a guy the first day back. You want to ease him back in. I have no problem with when they... They ended up using him because he was going to be overly amped. I love Scott Merkin on the last episode. Something if you missed, go back and listen to it. There's lots of great stuff in there. But when he made the suggestion of, like, maybe they should just have him be the opener and get it out of the way, right? Like, have him come out and, like, pitch to, like, one batter. Let him, like, tip his cap, come off. and Because it was going to be emotional for him. Exactly. And, and the thing is, you can't activate him on that night. Do all the stuff pregame and not bring him into the game. I, I've seen people like questioning, like, well, in that situation, is that the best time to do it? I think at this point, again, if you're looking at it through a prism of we've got to catch up and we're going to win all these games and we're going to get into the postseason, okay, fine. I get it. Uh, but but I think that last night the team was more looking at it as this is this may be the only great moment of the season. If you look at where we're at in the standings, what's going on, how this season started, this may literally be the cover of the media guide next year and the main program that gets put out and and the number one stuff we do on social media because this is maybe, maybe the best thing that's going to happen to us all year long. Yeah, and, and, and the 
you know, if you're looking at him as the savior of the team, if you're looking at him to come in and settle out the bullpen and here's the run that we're going to go on because the team is finally together, we finally have our closer, that's a lot of pressure on the guy to come in and be the savior. And But I think that's something that in his mind he's probably thinking, yeah, I can come in and really help these guys and we can turn it around now that I'm here. So he's putting pressure on himself. He's going to put pressure on himself to perform. He's probably amped because he went from four months ago getting a diagnosis where some people don't survive to he's back on a major league mound. So I would say, you know, the, the res, you got to reserve your judgment on his performance for a while until he really gets back into it and until his head is clear and until he's feeling like he's himself and he's just a baseball player again, then we'll see what he is. And then we'll see if Rick Hahn trades him for less than he should probably get back for him. Are we giving him the uh, staff of Cork and Carey? Because he Hell made yeah, it back. I think we're giving him the staff of Cork and Carey. Because first of all, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't really want to look at White Sox stats right now. But um, you know, a team playing 500 ball, even if somebody's doing fairly well on this team, and there are some guys that are doing fine. Okay, and 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 I'm not disparaging the whole team here by any stretch of the imagination. But I think in this situation. Sometimes there are moments that are a little bit bigger than whether or not somebody had an OPS over a thousand, uh, you know, for for a random week at the end of May. Liam Hendricks, he struck out cancer. He 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 came back and did something that was darn near unthinkable four it's months awesome. ago. I think he gets it. Yeah, it's awesome. The staff of Cork and Carey goes to Liam Hendricks. He absolutely deserves it. Uh, Cork and Carey at the park is the proud sponsor of Socks in the Basement. You heard the ad at the beginning of the show. They're in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd in Princeton. Uh, this show comes out on Wednesday. So last night, as you're listening to this, I was there. Guaranteed. That's our plan. Start off there. Okay? You can bring the kids in. You can bring the family in. You get themselves, get them a meal. You can you can select from the large array of craft beers, spirits, and wines that are at that bar. They got indoor-outdoor seating. It's going to be a beautiful experience out there no matter what's happening in the season because this is where Sox fans come together and enjoy baseball and the camaraderie of being a Sox fan. And hey, you know what? You're going to find an awful lot of people that are going to join in when you're yelling about something you don't like about this team. Afterwards, share a drink, let the uh, the parking lot empty out. Uh, they are the official sponsors of Sox in the Basement at 33rd and Princeton, Cork and Carey at the park. Did you hear any of the Rick Hahn comments on Monday? I mean, they're all just lawyers speak and they're the same thing all the time. Yeah. But I do kind of get a kick out of like the conversation that he had because Memorial Day is a, is a benchmark and there'll be another conversation right around July 4th and we'll have these conversations and try to figure out what we're doing. If you don't know where you're at right now, I mean, that's the thing. Do you really think he believes that this team isn't what it, it should be and at some point like the, the, the switch is going to get flipped and they're just going to go on some kind of run and we just and and he just needs to be patient, or is that just all he can say at this point? Because to say anything else, he'd have to admit how bad of a job he did over the the past several years putting this team together. Because this is all him; it's his manager. Okay, he hired this manager that's here. It, it, it's his issue at second base that he's never been able to solve. That's his first baseman that he drafted over there that's struggling this year. The depth problems are all him. He owns this team; every single part of it is on him. 
So he has to say that, right? He has to say, I really haven't gotten a chance to see what they're going to be because of all these other circumstances that I'm going to continue to lean on to deflect away from the job I did. Well, I, that that's giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's just saying it to cover himself at this point and, and that, that this is his CYA speech and trying to convince everybody that uh, things have just not gone the way they could, but they'll still get better. I really honestly think, though, that there is a level, and I feel like I've said this before, I, I don't know, I have deja vu when it comes to Rick Hahn at this point, that's so severe, it's almost one of those things where I'm expecting a black cat to walk across the path twice, or to open up a door and find a brick wall there because the Matrix is, is messing with me. With, with Rick Hahn and with this team, I think there was such hubris coming out of 2020, that they really, really do think that they are the most talented team in the division. They really do think that they are this young, upstart, up-and-coming team, even though, as I'm looking at the average ages of the entirety of the the AL Central, the White Sox are the oldest team in the AL Central by just a little bit over the Royals, uh, but by quite a bit over the Twins, the Guardians, and the Tigers. So you have a veteran team that really thinks it's great and a general manager who really thinks he did a rebuild. And I really do think that they believe that they're the most talented team in the division and that they can just turn it on at any moment. And not to pick on Liam Hendricks in his moment of, of triumph and return, but he was the one who said that when he was on our show that the regular season is just a warm-up to the playoffs for them. Right. Yeah, going into, going into that season, that's what he said. Yeah, and that's a that's a wonderful mindset in some ways of sitting there going like, hey, you know, we're just here to 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 win and get to the postseason, and that's when we know it really counts. That's where we really got to buckle down. But the problem is, is that they're not rolling over teams. They're not rolling over the Tigers because the Tigers are a young team with some guys who are hungry to prove that they're major leaguers. Uh, you know, you got a guy like Zach McKinstry on that team who was pretty much written off by the Dodgers and Cubs as just being Romy Gonzalez. <laughs> frankly, and he's now their leadoff hitter and their starting third baseman because he's trying to prove that he's a major league player, and he's hungry, and the White Sox don't ever come across as being hungry like that. They come across as being just waiting for teams to bow down to them and lose, and it doesn't happen, and And I really think that Rick Hahn is the leader of that hubris, of, of him sitting there saying, you know, ask me after the parade, or, you know, the, the money will be spent, and yeah, they, they spent money, but they didn't spend it well. And, you know, I can do this rebuild and look at all the talent that I acquired through these trades. Yeah, but Rick, you didn't draft anybody to go along with it. You know, so you, you, you have all of this hubris of we're a talented, really good, top-notch organization and we can turn it on. And they don't. And, and, and they're not going to be able to because in reality, they don't, they don't have what it takes, it seems, because there are some guys who... Honestly, I think Andrew Vaughn needed a couple more years in the minors to really figure out how to play this game, and they, they robbed him of that, partially because of the pandemic killing that minor league season. But he he obviously needs to do something different because what he's doing now isn't working very well. Luis Robert, Aloy Jimenez, yes, these are stars. Yon Moncada, he was the top prospect in baseball when you traded for him, but he hasn't really panned he's out. He's average now. He had that hot he had that hot start, then he got injured. He's, he's, he's basically average. I think his OPS plus is like 100. He's got like a 733 right. uh, he, OPS. He's, he's, a, he's a competent major league player for the most part. His defense is what makes him a, a competent major league player. But he has not he has not lived up to the top prospect hype. 
has he? That's the problem. You already knew that Hailstorm Brewing Company, the official brewery of socks in the basement, made incredible beer. The multi-ball madness and American pale ale now on tap there. Only 5.2%, but it's got that taste like it could be a 10%er. One of my favorite beers in the world. Dominatrix is back. A triple IPA, and that sucker's 11%. It is a big German beer hall with an incredible tap room and an amazing patio outside. But now I want you to get out there for lunch. Starting at 11 a.m., Scratch Kitchen shareables or just get something good for yourself the smoked chicken wings have already been featured on chicago's best the black and chicken flatbread is one of my favorites the pork belly sliders are already getting a reputation around the south side that scratch kitchen is open 11 a.m tuesday through sunday tinley park 8060 186th street right off of 80th avenue see more at hailstormbrewing.com The thing that was striking to me this weekend when I'm looking at this four-game series, a series which they really should, the goal should have been three out of four. They should have been like, we've got to come in and take three out of four here. We said it beforehand. That should have been the goal. You did the opposite. You lost three out of four. And you look at what their lineups were for the four games. In a series that you're really trying to turn your season around at this point as you hit Memorial Day weekend. And you have guys that are just aren't available for all four games. I see a game where Luis Robert isn't out in the field for game three of that series. And that led directly to runs early in that game. Clint Frazier coming in and not being able to make that play and then diving where it allows the runner to take an extra base. All of that is avoided, I believe, if the better defensive center fielder is out there at the time. I don't care what his bat's been doing. You need you need all hands on deck in these games. And, and I, don't, I don't understand. He's a young man who seems very physically fit. I have no idea why he's not out there, but that literally led to runs. You, you're you so far behind, you keep telling me that you're going to turn this thing on, but then you can't go out and put your starting nine out there most nights because somebody's always got a tweak or somebody's got an injury or somebody's got to be sat down, and you don't have the depth to really be able to cover for that. You're constantly getting exposed when you can't play your players all the time. And I don't know if this is just me being an old man that yells at a cloud, but back in my day... Guys played for two straight weeks without taking a day off when they were young. They did. And I I don't see that here with this team all the time. I see guys who get lots of time off, lots of rest. I don't know what you're resting them for because their season's going to be over at the end of September. So I don't know what they're being rested up for. And and therein lies the problem too, right? Again. Hanser Alberto started the game in game four when you were must win trying to get a split instead of Yohan Mankata. Right. And, And... If Yohan Moncada is hurt, then once again, we're back to why can't you keep these guys on the field? And, and what has to change in their routines and what has to change in, in their programs, whatever. But again, it, it seems like when you hear and see something like that, that what you don't have is you don't have a group of young guys, this young core, that is sitting there going, I don't care how I'm feeling I want to go out there and I want to eat the Tigers for lunch. I want them. I want this game. Or you don't have a manager who is instilling that in them. Or you don't have a general manager who is allowing the manager to do that. To me, you always have like three or four guys that are that are on that week, right? They're on fire. 
And then you got a bunch of other guys that just like, ah, this isn't his really, this isn't his week or this isn't his game or, you know, I got to get it worked out again. And I'll be back in two weeks. You, you never get the whole engine running. There's always about three, four parts of it that are out. And you got people that are sitting there saying, I, I know I'm a swing away from getting there, but it, they don't get there very quickly. You, you maybe have a couple of guys that I feel like if they're healthy and they're out on the field, they, they are so determined and they bring it. Like Jake Berger has been bringing it. Aloya Menez has been bringing it. When he's able yeah, to play, absolutely. he brings it. I mean, there are guys out there that bring it. There seem, though, to be an awful lot of guys that it's hit or miss, depending on how the day, how how the wind is blowing and where the sun is at, whether or not they got a little, you know, hitch in their giddy up that day. There seem to be all kinds of like guys where you just never know. I got I know about three or four guys on this team where I generally can trust them day to day. And that might be a high number. You know, that's why you have to have depth. You have to have depth so that if you run into a guy like that, who you can't rely on, there's a guy behind him challenging for the job. So he either gets motivated to keep his job or he gets replaced. But that was never how this worked. You knew who your third baseman was five years ago, and you never thought to yourself, we might need to have another one that's really good back there. Like, right? I mean, like you started like penciling in things and never thought to yourself, what if this guy doesn't work out? They're like a person that plays fantasy baseball and just looks at their starting roster. And, they, and it's it's weird, but I mean, that's what they do. They only look at their starting nine. They never look at what they have. Do they have you? You you should not be concerned about log jams. You should never be worried. Is there's there's too much talent here? No, <laughs> you want that problem. No, you want that. Because guess what? You do with too much talent. Then you turn around and you say, I have a hole. Let me take my too much talent from over here and put it over here and and put it over here where I could get this hole filled. Right. And, and that's and that's that's really it always comes back to that. Right. You can be critical of players to a point, but at the at, at some point they just are what they are. Yamakata is what he is. OK, right. I, 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 that's that's been something we've said before. He is what it is. Luis Roberts, a guy that's got a ton of talent, but from time to time just goes into funks. You know, you can't sit around and say this guy could be the next Mike Trout because I don't see Mike Trout do that. So it's just a, it's a different player. No, he is what he is. I, that's that's what he is. He's a guy who's very streaky, good streaks and bad streaks, and it's it's kind of been that way for a while with him. Dylan Cease gets into his head from time to time when he's pitching the contact and he goes deep into a game. He's far more effective, and I I've been saying that now for years. I would much rather him see him go six or seven innings and give up two runs than have the most perfect four innings possible and be sitting at ninety eight pitches after four innings because he's not benefiting the team as much because now you have to dip into this bullpen which is shaky at best. Right, and, and especially in a situation where, you know, Lucas Giolito is the same way, where he gets super inefficient like he did to start the series, 3.2 innings. You know you're, you're patching up the fifth starter spot with Jesse Schultons, who's not a guy that's stretched out to be a seven-inning starter, and you don't want him to be because he's, he's like your eighth starter on the list when you start the, the season. There are guys, that, that's the problem too, is, is that this team still is acting like they have a higher ceiling or an unlimited ceiling a lot of these guys have established themselves. They are what they are. Andrew Benintendi is what he is. We, we knew what he was when the Sox signed him. He's doing exactly what he's always done, which is fine. His power numbers are down, but we said, okay, well, it's always a, it's always a thing between whether or not he's going to hit for a higher average or hit for more power. No, he's not off to the great start, but he's actually, he's pretty much what you expect Andrew Benintendi to be. Gavin Sheets is exactly what you expect yes, him to be. Yes, that's he's the a, thing. He, Gavin Sheets hitting that home run the other day, that's what he's there for, to hit that right. three-run bomb. 
He's a guy without a really good strong position on the field. He's a left-handed thumper. He's never going to hit a high high average. He's probably not even a 40-homer guy, if we're being honest. But he is what he is. Jake Berger is showing that he is what we thought he could be. But guys like Romy Gonzalez, I'm sorry, he's not Ben Zobrist. He's Romy Gonzalez. He was never a prospect to begin with. Sebi Zavala is a little disappointing. I thought he was better than this, and he's not playing well. And maybe he is just what he is, but he's a backup catcher, right? So you have all these guys. You know what they are. You can't sell me on this team still has a future together because these guys have another step or another gear. One or two of them may have something, but I'm starting to say Andrew Vaughn looks an awful lot like Andrew Vaughn this year. Luis Robert Jr. is having a Luis Robert Jr. season. Andrew Benintendi is having an Andrew Benintendi season. Tim Anderson's probably the only guy you could sit there and say, I think he's really, really underperforming what we know he could be right now. And, and he's had an injury at least. So you have a pleasant surprise in Jake Berger. You have a guy in Tim Anderson who is underperforming Tim Anderson. Like everybody else, honestly, when I look at this lineup, I sit there and go, this is what I thought they were going to be. Like this is what their baseball card shows them to be. Right. And they're not a young team. They are not a team on the come up. This is a team that's been together for a few years now. They are what they are. I'm Denny Green. I'm Denny Greening this thing. They are what we thought they were. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.